everyone and welcome to another edition of the Jim and the King NFL podcast. I'm Jim, that's the King, and we're here to talk about the NFL. How's it going, King? I'm good, how are you? Not bad, mate, not bad. I'm pretty excited actually today because this is our first special episode because we're not alone. We aren't alone. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but... I have noticed this, <laughs> this, a slender gentleman sat next to you. <laughs> the darkness has entered the room. <laughs> yes. For those of you who don't know, we have got a special guest, one of our very dearest friends. It is the rise of Punk Raider. How's it going, Pete? Yeah, good. Thank you. Um, I've got to say, you guys have been doing some great work. Listen to the first few podcasts, and when you invited me on, I was um, very, very chuffed. Well, in honor, thank you very much, sir. Yeah, in honour of you coming on, we're going to have to talk about your favourite team, aren't we? Uh, we're going to dedicate the entire episode to your favourite team. My favourite team? Yeah. Absolutely favourite team. The New York Giants... No, sorry. <laughs> You're only a Closet Giants fan. You're Closet much- Giants fan? <laughs> really? You do have... How many jerseys? Of- I have one Giants jersey. Okay. I, ha- I I picked up... In fact, I've got a few jerseys. I pick up jerseys of players I enjoy playing, watching play. Right, okay. So, uh, obviously, I don't just stick to my team. I've, I've got a collection of, of hard-hitting players what Eli Manning eight Eli Manning jerseys yeah. eight Eli Manning jerseys <laughs> hard That's hitting it. yeah hard okay. hitting players <laughs> no let's talk about the Oakland Raiders okay because we don't know many Oakland Raiders fans but you're there's probably the a reason for one. That in the last sort of 15 years or so to be fair <laughs> yeah you know or they're incarcerated but you're not so <laughs> <laughs> let's we want to ask you some questions then because obviously you know Everyone loves NFL for different reasons, and everyone picks their NFL teams for different reasons. So, Punk, why why the Raiders? Why, out of all the 32 teams, why the Oakland Raiders? Well, being, um, shall we say, a bit older than you guys, um, (laughs) I actually started watching the NFL back in the mid-80s on Channel 4 with... um, Nicky Horn and and before even you know Gary Mlack and those guys were doing it and uh, when I was about sort of eight nine years old uh, Channel 4 one evening I think it was about a week after the actual event stuck on the highlights of Super Bowl 18 wow yeah uh, which was obviously the Redskins versus the Raiders it was yeah and me being young young whippersnapper punk raider that I was um, sat there with my spiky hair and all my spikes and just kind of went, well, the Redskins don't really like that kind of red and white uniform they're wearing and they've got some weird thing on their helmet. Yeah. But, you know, the Raiders, they've got a pirate. It's black, Always it's silver. Cool. Yeah. You know, as a, as a fan of, of, of the heavy metal genre of music as well, it fitted with my um, mystique, so... Yeah, that's basically how I became a Raider. It was because um, I liked their uniforms. And you glory hunted the uh, third Super and Bowl trophy. And I glory <laughs> hunted the third Super Bowl trophy and went from there. Well, yeah, I mean, it only got better after that, didn't it, as well? So that's Absolutely. Like, you yeah, know, good, good I call. mean, through through the years, you know, <laughs> what, what can you say? Jamarcus Russell, um, you know. Well, we'll get on to some of those later, I think. <laughs> but, um, you didn't fancy uh, Joe Theismann then in his, what, late 40s, was it? <laughs> Joe, Joe, Joe and his broken leg. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you hear he'd broken his leg once? I don't think he ever mentions it when he's on TV. <laughs> Never. So. Um, I think he's contractually obliged to mention it at least three times every time he's on camera. It was just the mystique, really, of the Raiders. Uh, like I said, I was kind of, you know, what, eight, eight nine years old and, and there was just these big guys hitting each other. Mm. And that kind of drew me into the sport. And that was once, just a once I'd seen those highlights of that Super Bowl, it was like, well, I quite like this because you know, unlike rugby, where you know, back in that time it wasn't professional, so it was all just fat guys from the pub mauling each other. Um, this had some real kind of physical contact to it. Yeah, were there any um, players that stood out for you in that Super Bowl game? Do you remember? Well, I mean, the one play that everyone talks about is the Marcus Allen run, obviously, and then you know that is the major play that sticks sticks in my mind yeah um, obviously being so young at the time uh, but I think really you look at that defence on that team and you know guys like Howie Long absolute animals just yeah. ripping people's heads off left right and centre like Jose though as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um, it was a more violent game then as well wasn't it, it was a more violent game you didn't have all the all the kind of safety rules now and you know people would have one bar on their helmets instead of an entire grid uh, <laughs> and you know you didn't have concussion protocols and 
hearing Harry Long speak saying that you know for 15 minutes a game he pretty much didn't have a clue what was going on he mm. just got on with it and muscle memory allowed him to to still play at the pretty much the <laughs> highest level there is even though he had no clue what he was doing mm. I think we can all agree that concussion protocols are a good thing though yeah, based, yeah and they've been improved in recent years yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's definitely an improvement um, I'm not entirely certain that all of the health and safety rules coming in now aren't sanitising the game a little bit too much. Spoken like a true raider. But, you know, this, again, it's, it, I mean, it'll, it'll be an age perception thing, you know. It, it's, it's always the same, isn't it? If you're down the pub chatting with your mates, you know, when you were a kid, it's nostalgia. Mm. That's all it is. And, uh, you know, it's the safety is important nowadays. Um, but I do miss some of the big head-on smashes. Well, there have been a few rules named after... You know, players and games for the Raiders. Uh, we might get into that a bit, a little bit later. But I think we probably should go back in time and just obviously give a quick recap for those of you who don't know. Oakland Raiders established in 1960, back in the American Football League, Western Division. Did that for nine years. And after ten years, they then joined the NFL, as it's known now, into the AFC West in 1970. Uh, they've won three Super Bowls. So they won Super Bowl ten, no, eleven. That was against the Vikings. Do your research, oh, Super Bowl 11. Super Bowl 11. Sorry, Punk. 32-14 win against the Vikings. John Madden, that people in the UK will know from his computer games, was the coach then. You had uh, the Snake Stabler as the quarterback. Right. Dave Casper got two touchdowns at tight end. You had uh, Fred Belitnikoff as the MVP on that one. Then they won their second Super Bowl in 1980. That was Super Bowl 15. They beat the Eagles 27-10. to That was Tom Flores as your head coach. Jim Plunkett got the MVP, Cliff Branch with two touchdowns, and Rod Martin with three interceptions, and then the one we just talked about there, Super Bowl 18, back in 1983, a 38-9 win over the Redskins, and uh, Marcus Allen got the MVP and two touchdowns, 191 yards. That's pretty impressive. Um, since then, I mean, in total you've had 15 division championships as well, so that's pretty good, considering you've gone up against the Broncos and the Chargers and the Chiefs, and they've actually got a winning record, I don't know if you know this. Punk, but you've actually got a winning record in division games against the Chargers and the Broncos. It's only the Chiefs that have got a better overall record against you. And yet our biggest rival is the Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's interesting because I didn't realise you guys had a winning record against Denver because I believe Denver have won the most AFC West championships. Mm. Um, so to have a winning record against them is quite impressive. Well, you seem to be doing your best that. nowadays to redress that balance well not necessarily I mean there was only a couple of years ago we absolutely blew Denver out of the water mm. um, there was I can't remember the exact score it was like 49-7 or something mm-hmm. um, we always seem to play well against the Broncos uh, why that is couldn't tell you because we'll play pretty poorly against the Tennessee Titans and teams like that but you drop the Steelers or the Broncos or any of the kind of you know supposed bigger teams in there and we seem to step up, even when we've had pretty poor rosters. Yeah, even Who's... last year, I think Khalil Mack had four yeah. sacks against the Broncos mm. in one game, and and just you know demolished their offensive line um, in a losing effort. But like you say, I think players seem to get up for for the Broncos for whatever reason that is. So second question then, Punk, what's your biggest rival? Which team do you think? Traditionally, it's always been the Chiefs mm-hmm. uh, because we both came from the AFL together. Yep. Um, kind of in the early days of the AFL, it was always the Chiefs and the Raiders would be going for the titles. Obviously, once we all kind of got melded into what we now know as the NFL, um, I think that rivalry just carried on. Um, for me personally, mm-hmm. um, it's the Steelers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the Steelers. Um, <laughs> Which is a bit weird when you consider I'm very much a defensive football guy mm-hmm. and I really, you know, I like my 7-3 games where it's all defence. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the 49-43 shootouts. No. Um, so you'd think automatically that the Steelers would be one of my more favoured teams. But no, I just don't like them. Is it because they're so similar, you think? that It could well be. It could be because they are modelled basically on the, on the same ideas and ideals. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, for me personally, the Steelers are not my team. Can I ask you a quick question then? Of course you can. Just because I'm enjoying this, because I'm sat next to a Raiders <laughs> and a Steelers fan. <laughs> what do you think about Steelers fans as well? Is oh, it just the team you don't on. like, or is it well, the fans as well? Well, well you know, those. <laughs> What's that towel all about? I mean, what, <laughs> it's to mop up why, the blood why that you stab people with. Why are you going to an NFL <laughs> game and, and 
flinging around a piece of cloth above your head. I cannot Just believe use my your ears. voices. Come on, what is with you? I, mean, I don't get it. And and as for you know guys like Nick Holling going on TV with one, so what's he gonna do? Like mop his brow with it or something when they're losing? I, I just don't get it. I don't get why you need an, no. an extra prop to be able to support your team properly. I cannot believe that a man who is part of a fan group that wears Darth, Darth Vader outfits and cosplays like goffs is having to go at a team that have towels flung around their head. Don't have a go at Darth Raider. Darth Raider's <laughs> a legend. Have you seen he, the state he, of your fans? He's one man. But we don't actually sit there. It's not Halloween every day to do the same thing. It is Halloween every day. <laughs> It is Halloween every day. It's it's steampunk. It's Mad Max. It's having fun. It's not buying into some towel twirling, you know, cheerleading wannabe session. If it's that bad, then how come at least three other teams have taken on the towel just with their own different colour scheme? Who, who's that? I've Colts for one. Towels. I've seen the Colts use it repeatedly. I, I can't comment because the Chargers haven't sure done the, Pretty sure the Saints have done the same thing. There must be some sort of law against them not having anything that makes any noise when they're flinging stuff around. Well, I wouldn't have so thought so, because there's plenty of teams that pipe noise into the stadiums, as, along with uh, the noise generated by the fans that are there anyway. So I can't think that, you know, having an old school football yeah, rattle would, would a, be a problem. It's Apart a distraction. from you might hit someone around the head with it's it. It's a distraction, whereas looking at your lot, it's just a joke, really. <laughs> uh, you're just going on the last 10, 15 years. 10, 15 there, years, oh, yeah. <laughs> bit of history that's what you need so going back into sort of the Raiders at the moment um, uh, you know how do you feel the team's looking moving into next year uh, I think the current roster is actually starting to take shape quite well um, I would stick our first 22 so our, our starting 11s on offence and defence i put them up against anybody I think the real problems we're going to have and it's Something that, that is slowly starting to change where we're uh, struggling if we get a couple of injuries. I don't think the depth is really there. Um, next year, I, I I would like to think that we're probably going to end up fighting for the division. Um, I think with the Broncos losing Peyton Manning... Although he didn't have a great year last year, it's just that presence in the locker room, mm. the know-how. Um, and once you've won a Super Bowl, there aren't many teams that can get up and do it again. No. So I think it'll be interesting to see what the Broncos are like. My big worry for this season, to be honest, is the Chiefs. Okay. Um, I think they're pretty solid everywhere. Um, I don't think they're going to excel in one area, but normally... It's the teams that that are well rounded that can that can do the damage. But I'd like to see us, you know, ten and six, eleven and five. Yeah. I honestly think, looking at our schedule, we've we've got a real chance of of making the playoffs. Um, and anything less than ten wins, I think, we'll be disappointed with. Yeah, we talked, we touched on them briefly last podcast when we were talking about the Chargers, um, and obviously being in the same division, the Raiders came up, and I I picked out personally that I thought Denver were going to go in. Um, and potentially fight for it. I, I've got question marks about the Chiefs. I think they've got a fantastic roster. Houston being out's an issue um, for their defence. And I just I can't believe in them until I see all their players be healthy for one season. But that's the joy of the NFL as well, Kim, yeah, is, is that you know we haven't got into the season yet. Uh, mm-hmm. Week one is very much a lottery. Yeah, um, at the moment, absolutely. it's all paper talk. And until the players are out on the field, mm. no one knows what's going to happen. There's always one team that comes from nowhere. Mm-hmm. And there's always a favourite that completely drops off. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see this year, I think, because there yeah. are a few teams that maybe haven't been so good the last few years. Uh, Jacksonville being one of them yep. that I think could really make an impact this year. Yeah, Buccaneers, Titans as well for me are another two. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, I did pick out the Raiders. I thought to be the the closest challenge to the to the Broncos for the division. So I, I you know, I think that they're in they're in good shape. I've got a couple of question marks about their defense. You know, twenty second in yards per game last season with three hundred and sixty three yards allowed. That's that's a worrying stat for me. Uh, and only plus one in turnover differential, which when your quarterback is only through thirteen interceptions, doesn't suggest to me that you're you're sort of creating as many turnovers as you probably like to. Um, but they have addressed that, you know. They uh, they focused on on defense in the draft, and they focused on defense in free agency. So I think they made some really good pickups, which 
you know, there's been a bit, it's a bit of a change in the guard since um, Al Davis passed, and it's they've started drafting a lot better. You're you're not you're not seeing the Jamarcus Russell style players come in. Um, so it's interesting. It's a, it's a must be an exciting time to be a Raiders fan at the moment. It is, and a lot of that's down to Reggie McKenzie. Um, you know, he he is a good drafter. He mm. builds teams. Yeah, he builds through the draft. And let's be honest, you know, the last sort of few years of Al Davis is is reigning. It wasn't great. You no. know, he was just doing the Al Davis thing still of going for the quickest, fastest players he could find, yeah, regardless of skill set. Yeah, Hayward Bay. I think to mind. I think you're right about the defense. Hey, he's all right. <laughs> Hayward Bay. <laughs> hey, was it, is, is he still on the Colts? Or is no, he, he's at the Steelers. He's at the Steelers now, is he? Oh, well, that's him done. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> you're right, though, Kick, about uh, our pass defense. Our pass defense last year was a worry. Mm. And I think uh, Carl Joseph, the rookie coming in at safety mm-hmm. to replace Charles Woodson, is going to be a massive player for us this year. Yep. If he can step up, then I think we're going to improve. And I think it'll be enough of an improvement that, that could see us go to the division. Yeah, I'll take. I'm glad you brought up Carl Joseph, actually. He was um, someone I really like coming into the draft. And um, what I thought was interesting was Ken Norton, your defensive coordinator, uh, was at the Seahawks in, from 2010 to 2014. So I think he's looking for his version of El Thomas. In- Ken, Ken Norton was also a hell of a linebacker. Oh, he himself. was, yeah. Cowboys. When he was three Ke- 49ers, yeah. Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was part of that group in the mid-90s that, yeah. that was just tearing it up. So, you know, again, he, he should, in theory, be able to spot a decent player. Yeah, absolutely. And Joseph, one thing that was underrated coming out of, of college for me was the fact he has an ability to drop in on third down and cover the slot as well. So he's a heavy hitter. He had 284 career tackles at West Virginia. Uh, but he also had nine interceptions, so he's, he's got yeah. ball skills as well. You know, I think at the moment there tends to be this, you know, you've got these safeties that either have ball skills or come down in the box and, and uh, are run stuffers. Whereas he's, I think from what I've seen, um, he's got the ability to do both. Mm-hmm. So I was really impressed with that pickup in the draft. I think 14th was a little bit rich, but I think if he comes in and contributes immediately, I think, you know, it, you, you make your own value, really. What about their other draft picks then, King? What do you reckon? Um, they got a couple of players that were difficult to evaluate for me. So they 44th uh, in the second round, they picked up um, Jihad Ward from Illinois, six foot five, 300 pounds. So he's going to play interior <laughs> lineman rather than D-end that he played in college, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion, anyway. Uh, very, very raw, but uh, I think you guys are banking on the fact he's got a high ceiling. Well, I mean, the other interesting thing with us this year is that we're just as likely to play a 5-2 defence as we are a 3-4. Yeah, yeah. So You've got a massive yeah, load in the front seven. Absolutely. Yeah. The front seven, it, when, when you actually look at the list of, of who's in that front seven, it's loaded. Mm. Um, got some really good players. Two, two. Um, what's interesting as well is you've got two now, ex, again, ex-Seahawks, which is quite interesting, but established Super Bowl winning players uh, in Smith and and, um, and now Irvin that's come in as well. Uh, so having that that calibre of player with also that experience. You know, Smith was a Super Bowl MVP. People forget that yeah, he yeah, actually won the exactly. MVP. So that's quite interesting. So yeah, I think I think on the whole, I mean, our, our defence should improve from last year. Mm. Um, and if the offence take a step forward as well, or even if they maintain the same level, mm-hmm. um, I think that can only be good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's um, I'm interested to see your take on on your hundredth pick in the draft, uh, not necessarily as a player, but the quarterback Connor Cook. Um, so you picked him up a hundredth overall. You actually traded up to get him. Um, he was thirty four and five as a starter, which shows he's you know he's got a willing caliber. Uh, he actually replaced Kirk Cousins at Michigan State, which is mm-hmm. quite interesting. Which is probably his best comparison. Um, issues around his completion percentage. He was around hovering around fifty seven percent in college, which. If you're an elite passer, you shouldn't be throwing less than 60, in my opinion. Uh, and also, what I didn't like was he was never voted captain at Michigan State, despite being the quarterback. That's a worry. That doesn't suggest he's got leadership skills. But why would you trade up for a quarterback in the fourth round with Derek Carr as, as your starter? Do you think that's a security blanket, or just you saw a value on the 100th pick to, to pick up a solid reserve? I would suggest that it's probably a project. Okay. Uh, that they're, they're maybe looking at possibly sort of, you know, once cars done, maybe four or five years down on, even if he's just trade trade bait value. If, yeah. if you if you can train someone up over a couple of three years, yeah. um, get them to get them to a decent level, it may well be offload that he, he never makes it. It could be an yeah. offload for, for Patriots, a couple more drafts. Patriots do that really, really well. You look at Mallet and Castle and stuff. And again, it's, mm-hmm. it's something Reggie McKenzie's done at yeah. other clubs he's been at. Yeah. So it, to me, that's what that smells like yeah you don't think he's he's 
it's going to be a quarterback battle. You think it's cars? No, there, there, there's, there's no no question of it yeah. being a quarterback battle. That's cool. I think the only the only position really on the offense that there could be an interesting battle um, is at running back. Okay. Um, Latavius Murray is pretty much guaranteed as the starter, but I've got a sneaky feeling that DeAndre Washington, he's been playing really well throughout the preseason, and I think by mid to late season, he could replace Murray as the number one. That's interesting. Ooh. I said the same about Devontae um, Booker, actually, in the same division at the Broncos, so... Um, I like I like these bold predictions. Just just remember though, punk, that you know preseason doesn't count for anything. Really. Preseason doesn't count. We don't care about preseason. No. I know that. I know that. But uh, it is always nice to see a young player actually stepping up and going above and beyond what you expect mm. them to do. Yeah. And if you can put pressure on your starters, it makes them hit, hit yeah. the same heights as well. Or even just to have more balance from a running Absolutely. perspective um, if, is only going to help uh, Derek Carr. And actually, people like Amari Cooper in the past game, if, if you've got, they could put two running backs out there and look as if they're running a read option and, and uh, you know, play action then becomes, you know, can be more effective, especially with someone as dy- dynamic as Cooper being able to catch the ball. So, yeah. That's interesting. That's good. Exciting. Excellent. Yeah. Well, you guys are listening to Jim and the King NFL podcast with the Punk Raider. Stay tuned. We're back in a minute. Welcome back to the Jim and the King NFL podcast with the Punk Raider. Yeah. That's right. We're talking about Oakland Raiders today. So buckle in. Uh, what we want to go through now then, Punk, is your favorite Raider players. Because obviously it was Oakland and LA. So let's tell the listeners some of your favorite players through the last 56 years. Well, as I've only been watching since the mid 80s, most of my mm-hmm. players are going to be post then. Um, Fine. But... These are the guys that that really stood out to me, uh, got me excited, uh, got me into the NFL uh, in a big way. So we'll start off with my my all-time favourite player and my all-time favourite Raider, Howie Long. Um, I'm sure some of you guys have have seen him on TV with his flat-top haircut, but before (laughs) he was sitting in a studio, he was just ripping quarterbacks' heads off. Um, The man was an absolute beast. Uh, Hall of Famer, uh, I think it's five-time Pro Bowler. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, being a defensive guy and a man of not ample proportion myself, um, he he was just somebody that that really stood out um, and that I enjoyed watching as a kid. Uh, yeah, so that's that's how he long. Um, I would suggest you uh, look up some video on him. He was um, crazy athletic, wasn't he? It was size? absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, some of his, some of his uh, his agility for mm. for such a large guy as well at that time. And of course, you've got to remember, you know, back then offensive lines were allowed to chop block and 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 go for the knees. So yeah, yeah to, to actually survive as long as he did, uh, and and you know, be as, as as instrumental in winning a Super Bowl as he was, uh, is a phenomenal player. I like hearing him as an analyst now. He's one of my favourite analysts to listen to, actually, he, Howard. He, he, he's kind of taken that Raider ethic of uh, no-nonsense, mm. and he just says exactly how it is. Mm. Um, you're absolutely right, though. I mean, compared to a lot of the other analysts that just kind of waffle on and, and disappear here, there, and everywhere, yeah. and go off on tangents, he will just say exactly what he thinks yeah. and doesn't really care yeah, whether you like it or not. Yeah, he's very decisive, He is a Raider. Mm. Bloodline as well, his son's... Sun's an all-pro guard, I believe, at the moment. Carl Long. Yeah. In the league for the uh, Bears, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, bloodline. So my second second um, player that I used to watch and really, really got the juices flowing. Um, you might remember him from Nike adverts and stuff, and I know the king likes this guy as a running back. It's um, <laughs> I'm grinning. Bo Jackson. It's alleged. Bo knows. Bo knows football. Bo knows, Bo knows football. Bo knows baseball. Bo knows absolutely everything. Uh, when you've got a Hall of Fame running back like Marcus Allen in your backfield and your uh, owner decides to replace him, you question what he's doing and why mm-hmm. he's doing it. Um, then you watch Bo Jackson play. He was just on another planet. Uh, Marcus Allen, quick, shifty, you know, would, would cut one step gone Bo Jackson just run people over yeah but 
he also had the quickness and the one cut and the speed to be able to go as well. He might be the fastest NFL player I've ever seen. Well, he was, he was all pro in two sports, of course. Yeah, he was. So, yeah. Uh, King, you can probably fill me in a little bit more about his, his other career. <laughs> yeah, well, he was drafted. He, well, originally he was drafted by the Buccaneers first overall, um, but allegedly was unhappy with the Buccaneers because they flew him down there for a visit while he was at Auburn University. I'd have thought it'd be the orange uniforms, to be honest. No, no, he had no issue with that. They flew him down and he said that he asked them if it would be a violation of the NCAA rules and they said it wouldn't be. And in actual fact, what they were trying to do, allegedly this is, the Bucks were trying to get him banned from playing baseball that season to reduce the chances of him getting injured. Right. So in his senior season, he wasn't allowed to play baseball, which was actually his favourite sport. And because of that, he told the Bucks, don't draft me. I'm not going to sign for you because you stopped me playing baseball in college. Uh, so they took him first overall, didn't listen. And lo and behold, he decided not to sign for them uh, and signed for the Kansas City Royals instead and played baseball where he was an all-star. And Al Davis, the season later, took him in the seventh round on a whim just in case he would play. And allowed Bo Jackson to play football as a hobby in between his baseball seasons. And he was still arguably, in my opinion, one of the best running backs ever to play the game. Absolutely. I'd agree with Which that. is crazy, really, because that football was a, was a you know, sort of off-season hobby between baseball. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was his second job. It yeah. was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah the guys sell, most guys sell some cars or, you know, sell <laughs> some insurance. Not Bo. Bo played football. Yeah. yeah. If you want, if you want to see some interesting things, stick on the Seahawks tape of um, Bo Jackson. He had a 95-yard run for a touchdown where he was running so fast through the end zone he didn't stop and had to run down the track. <laughs> exactly. and, just, and just came out the stands about two minutes later. He didn't have a very long career, did he? In the NFL? No, he was only there three or three years. four years. Yeah, yeah, three, three years. years. He got three injured he in the playoffs against the Bengals, mm-hmm. um, and he it basically meant he had to have a hip replacement and. Yeah, couldn't really come back. He he carried on his baseball career for a couple of seasons, but wasn't the same player. So it was like one of those things. I think there's also, you know, there's this there's this sort of mysterious thing about him that what would have what could have been in in both sports really. Because yeah. although he's uh, it was an all star as as uh, as Punk said in in two sports, which is incredible really. But um, because of the the you know the lack of or the the length of his career is probably unlikely to be a hall of famer in either. Whereas I think if he'd have played another two, three seasons in both right. sports at a high level, he could genuinely have been a Hall of Famer in two sports. Absolutely. The other thing with Bo is that he's the first one I remember now. I mean, we're talking, what, 1987, 88. He's the first real crossover Nike advertising star that yeah. I remember. Yeah, his first. He was one of the um, first guys with a, with his own trainer. Exactly. But and, and, you know, before then, you didn't see... Big Nike adverts with an no. NFL player on in the UK no. or you know anything like that. No yeah. one would have even looked at it, but no. he was that successful and, and that well known at the time that even even non NFL fans knew who Bo was. Yeah, we did a, a famous the famous Bono's campaign where he was well he had people like Wayne Gretzky featured on it saying Bono's hockey and Bono's <laughs> basketball and it was just a crazy advertising campaign and also they are awesome shoes. But that was it. I digress. <laughs> I digress. He's one of my favourite players. Right. I could you talk about Jackson sponsorship. Are you there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nike, for a handout. Nike, Nike hooking me up. Yeah, um, if Nike, Nike are interested in syndicating the show, then that's fine. <laughs> you know. Absolutely. No, but I agree with that. Bo Jackson's one of my favourite players ever. Who else have you got then, Punk? Uh, I'm going to move on now to. I'm going to go with two players. Okay. Uh, they played at different times. Right. But they both played the same position. Mm. Wide receiver. Oh. Okay. One. In fact, both will be Hall of Famers. One will be more remembered for his uh, work across the bay, uh, Jerry Rice. Okay. Yeah. And the other guy is uh, downtown Tim Brown. Nice. Uh, again, Hall of Famer. But they could, I mean, Jerry Rice, let's go with him first. Work ethic, uh, to play as long in the NFL as he did, uh, even though he was playing for San Francisco yeah, mm. for most of his career. Uh the guy is just a phenomenon. Yeah, he, he the goat. He he could he he, he honestly is. He mm. honestly is. I mean, people question whether he is or not, but I, he's just a football player. Mm. And you know, toughness. He was getting smashed in the late eighties, uh, going over the middle in that West Coast offense, and and he would always just step up and carry on. Uh, I don't really recall him ever being out injured. No, uh, which. 
you know, and, and back in those days, you could hit people going across the middle, whether the ball was coming or not. So he will have taken, compared to today's receivers, he will have taken so many more hits and violent ones as well. Yeah, he, um, he has what Mike Mayock calls football speed. There was <laughs> there was question marks about his forty time coming in, coming into the draft, and but when you watched him on tape, you could just see him running away from people. So once you had a, you put pads and the ball in his hand, that guy was again up there with Bo Jackson as one of the fastest players ever to play the game. But you time him in just shorts. You know he wasn't up for nothing, that. Nothing he wasn't to up write for home that. about. It was yeah. amazing, really, to see that. If you're interested, look up um, Jerry Rice's training regime and the mountain he used to run up every day. Wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Crazy. He used to invite other players to come with him, and even the ones that thought they were well conditioned were struggling. Mm. Yeah, he was crazy. He's he's probably the, the closest comparison at the moment is JJ Watt compared to God. You know, God given ability combined with you know an attitude to match absolutely it's you yeah. know those two sort of well in my opinion set themselves apart where you just you see things like those training videos you see things in hard knocks where you know it might have been for the camera somewhat but JJ Watt clearly stays after practice he's got a bed in the facility you know it's um, when you put those two things together you can do special special things so Tim Brown then was it just because he was there for so long Tim Brown, it it was it wasn't just that he was there for so long, but when you factor in some of the quarterbacks that were throwing to him, mm. um, you know he didn't always have a Rich Gannon throwing at him. Sometimes it was a Todd Marinovich or you know <laughs> someone like that. Who? So yes, exactly. We're going to talk about them later. <laughs> so, so you know it's it's really a case of um, with Tim Brown to be able to get the numbers that he did in what was predominantly a running NFL. Uh, the guy absolutely deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Mm, um, I, I can't think of any Raider that probably in the last 20 years has been more deserving of it than Tim Brown. Mm. He had so many opportunities at end of contracts where he could have gone away but stayed loyal to the Raiders. The fans obviously stayed loyal to him. Mm-hmm. And he just loved being a Raider. Yeah. No, it's a special yeah. player. I don't, I, do you know what? I don't know too much about him. I just remember seeing him flashes on tape of him just standing out and these you know, these amazing catches. Like you said, the inconsistency with regards to the quarterback play. Um, you know, you talk about it now with, with a lot of quarterbacks where it's, you know, the offensive, uh, offensive coordinators are changing and how difficult it is to adapt to all of those. You know, that's just a scheme when it's actually someone throwing the ball and each person has their preference. Um, you know, it it just shows the quality he had to perform with each and every quarterback he played with. And different quarterbacks will throw a different ball. Absolutely. I mean, no two spirals are exactly the same. So to actually be able to adapt season in, season out and and be able to come up with the numbers that he did, Mm. it's just a phenomenal player. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, not disputing any of those picks, especially not Bo Jackson. No. So who next then? Well, this, 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 this next one is, is going to be uh, interesting to hear your guys' takes on it. All right. Because um, I'm actually going to go with a bit of kicker love. Ooh. Seabass. Sebastian Janikowski. Okay. Proof that anyone can play football. <laughs> yeah, he, Not a physical specimen. No, he pumped up after that big contract he got, didn't he? Yeah. Exactly. But, but the man is just a phenomenal kicker. Yeah. He is. He he's broken his own NFL record. I think it's four times. Yeah. Overall, longest field goal. Certainly. Yeah. And you know, kickers—they're maligned. They're not really football players. Let's be honest. But when you get one that that, that elevates himself above the level of a basic guy on the roster, mm. that's something to shout about. Well, he's mm. always gonna—they're always gonna be your points leader for the season. Always um, a points leader. And if you've got someone like Janikowski, you. He can just... It doesn't matter where you are on the field. You've got a chance. Yeah. Well, the, the, you're seeing now the Buccaneers sort of following the Raiders' trend where they've Aguayo. also... They've taken a, a second-round kicker from Florida State, which sounds surprisingly like Janikowski because mm. he was a second-round kicker from Florida State. So if, if Aguayo can have any, a career similar to Janikowski, they'll be happy. But, you know, we shall see. But you guys have had a, an interesting string of... Well, I say string. You've... You sort of set the mould when it came to taking kickers early because you've also not only Yanikowski, you took Ray Guy very early, who's uh, who's sort of widely known to be the the best punter of all time. Well, he's the only punter in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, um, that shows how good he is. 
Um, I mean, Ray Guy, for anyone that, that, I mean, he's before my time even, but the guy could punt and get you know, six, seven second hang times almost consistently. Yeah, 70 yard punts as well. Uh, 70 crazy. yard punts, <laughs> crossing corners, it, you know. Again, he's fully deserving of being in, in the Hall of Fame. And mm. to be the only person in yeah. your position in that Hall of Fame, yeah. is it, it just goes to show how, how good he was. Yeah. Well, yeah we're not going to talk about punters, are we? Jesus. I mean, no, I on. think there's... I, I only digress because there's not a lot you can say about a, a field goal kicker. He's, um, you know, Janikowski's <laughs> amazing. He's broken the record a few times. Yeah. And I agree that he's an underrated player it, for, he's an for underrated the Raiders. Player, and he's, he's, he's got a great attitude yeah. with it. You know? <laughs> yeah. He just ambles onto the field, Absolute pins dude. his leg back and wanders off again. Absolutely. Yeah, he gives hope to all of us that we can still play. You know, yeah. he sees, he's not like some of the... Who's, who's the guy at the Colts that thinks he's a defensive end and starts trying to tackle people? And Oh, well, Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee. That's it, Pat McAfee. He's, he, you, know, you, see him, you watch him and you think... You really are a, a defensive end trapped in a kicker's punter's body. <laughs> Pat McAfee's my favourite person to watch interviews oh, on. He's, oh, he's hilarious. He's absolutely hilarious. But, so. but you know, do your job. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Leave the big guys to do their job That's and it. you just do your job. Well, we're yeah. giving kickers some love. Special teams. We, we, we think about all three phases here on Jim and the King. We do, yeah. That's it. That's it. Anyone else <laughs> you'd like equally. to add? No, no, that'll do. That'll wow. do, I think. Any, uh, no, I just... There's some loads of names you've missed oh, out I, on. Well, I can, I can sit here and talk all day, but I don't know how interested <laughs> your listeners are going to be in, well, in me spouting on about Ronnie Lott and Rod Woodson and I'm, Charles Woodson. And... I'm pretty sure now, I'm pretty Punk, certain that when, any, when... Ever 31 other teams' listeners have tuned out by now, so it's <laughs> You're probably only Raiders' right. listeners it's probably that are probably the only the Raiders' us. guys left. Are, so. there any, are there any standout players at the moment? So I know you've gone through some past players. Is there, is there anyone at the moment that really sort of... You know, you think later think, on will be talked about in a Jim and the King podcast in ten years' time. I mean, every, everyone on, uh, pretty much will say the same thing, in that the standout player currently will be Khalil Mack. Yep. Um, Khalil Mack is he—he he is that Ray Lewis uh, type leader mm-hmm. with, you know, the 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 skills of a uh, Von Miller, know, probably. Von Miller, Terrell Suggs in his prime. Mm. Uh, he'll, he he is going to be I think if he can remain injury free and doesn't decide to retire early as seems to be the um, trend at the minute um, I think he could be an all time great mm-hmm. I really do and he certainly will be a, a Raider great even if he were to retire in the next couple of years yeah well he's a pro bowler last year in his second season uh, 15 sacks which was second in the NFL uh, and he was voted number 13 in the top 100 players. Uh, an interesting stat, actually. He was the first player to be voted as an all-pro at both linebacker and defensive end in the same season. So, yeah, it, definitely a special player, without Absolutely. a doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> without a doubt. Anyone else at all? Do you like your quarterback or this, this rookie, 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 rookie wide receiver? Rookie, uh, or rookie wide receiver. <laughs> Easy chewing. Either one. Um, uh, Mr. Carr, yes. Uh we have a history with quarterbacks over the last few years. <laughs> we'll get on to that. Um, that probably isn't the greatest. So to actually have uh, Derek Carr come out and play as well as he has played in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. um, it's almost a relaxing state of mind for a Raider fan. Yeah. Uh, because our, our quarterback play has been so erratic. Um, he is solid, isn't he? He he he. There's not one thing he does particularly badly. No. Um, he reads well. He throws well. His decision making's good. He's squeak. He's sort he's, of uh, scary, athletic as well. He, you don't he, notice he's how he's sneaky. He's mm. sneaky, strong, and sneaky quick. Mm. Um, I I think if he if he carries on and can stay injury free, um, there's again no reason why he he can't become a, a, a top tier quarterback. Yeah. I don't think he's there right now. No. I'd put no. him probably in that kind of second group, that kind of Eli Manning, mm-hmm. Philip Rivers now, well, that, that, that kind of level. Group, but, yeah. but, you know, certainly certainly give him another two, three years. And if Richie McKenzie carries on building the team around him and can get him weapons like Amari Cooper, mm-hmm. then, you know, there's, the sky's the limit, really. Yeah, definitely. I think the, the, I've actually written some notes on him um, prior to the podcast, and one of the things I've mentioned is still improving. So the fact that he's playing, you know, 32 touchdowns and 13 interceptions last season, uh, and for someone who's still improving, that's, you know, that shows... It's he's, pretty impressive. He's, you know, he's got he's got class. He's clearly got some pedigree with his brother being taken first overall as well. I know 
his career wasn't fantastic, but I think that really helped Derek Carr. The in- that's exactly what I was going to say, King. Mm. The interesting thing there is 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 that because of what happened to his brother mm-hmm. and getting beaten out of the game, basically playing behind a poor offensive line. Well, he got taken by an expansion team, didn't he? Yeah. The that's Texans. it. They exactly. had no the one Texans. else but him. Yeah, that, they had that, they had nothing. That I mean, ruined his career. I think absolutely destroyed his career. He had that one year, was it two years, maybe with the Giants. Yeah. Right at the very end, but he, I mean, he was hearing footsteps a long time before he was at the Giants. Yeah. Um, so, I think I think it has helped uh, Derek though, um, having an older brother to actually just talk you through what yeah. it's like to be in an NFL team. Yeah, that's, that's uh, you know, it, it, it's a massive step up compared to most rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, he seemed he seems to have you know a, mu- a much more mature head on his shoulders than a rookie. Uh, would normally have coming into the league so I was impressed with that and um, my last point if this is okay is um, Amari Cooper top 10 wide receiver in the league do you reckon? I think he'll. he's getting there he's getting there he's okay. getting there he might have a breakout year this year yep. um, we are a little bit thin at wide receiver in general mm-hmm. so he will be seeing probably a lot of double coverage mm-hmm. uh, but that, you know it, you never know no. Until the season starts, he could get injured week one. This is true. Um, but until the season starts, I would say yes, he's probably knocking on the door of the top ten. And I think by the end of this season, he'll probably be trying to break through that door. Yeah, he had over a thousand yards and six touchdowns last season. Uh, made the Pro Bowl, but I uh, yeah, I agree. I don't necessarily think he's in their top ten yet, but I think he's he's getting there. I think he needs to. The main thing he needs to work on is is a. Is, is his actual touchdowns. I think we need to be looking for him more. I think six touchdowns in, in a season, it's fine. Yeah. But it's it's, it's not outstanding. You want you, that double you, digits. You want double digits, preferably, you know, as high as you can get, obviously. Mm. But if you're going to be a true number one elite receiver, you've mm. got to end up with double digit touchdowns. Yeah, I think one thing that I loved about him um, and hated about him at the same time because he did it against my team is uh, his ability to catch the ball off quick slants and take it to the house. His touchdown against the um, San Diego Chargers last year was just phenomenal. I think he caught it after about seven yards and 70 yards later, and about six missed tackles later, he's in the end zone. So the guy clearly is a dynamic playmaker. But would that not, would that not be more to do with the um, Chargers' defence there, King, I think that's enough for this segment. <laughs> are we taking a break now, I are we? I think we're taking a break. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back for part three, so don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the final part of the Jim and the King NFL podcast with the Punk Raider. Yeah! We are discussing all things Oakland Raiders, um, so we'd have to talk about them ever again, until you come on again. Oh, <laughs> that's harsh. We like the Raiders. I think it's really nice to see a team that's just different, and you know they've got an attitude. They're not different, on. they're just better than it's pretty much everybody else on the planet. Everyone else in Oakland. No. Everyone else in Oakland and LA. Except except the Warriors who did win a championship. I'm really not sure why the Rams are playing in our stadium, but you know. <laughs> You've not had a winning record since your Super Bowl loss in 2002, but you know, we won't talk about that too much. What we want to talk Chucky's about... Chucky's revenge. Chucky's revenge. Yeah, that 2002 Super Bowl was an amazing experience. It, as a Raider fan, it was horrifying and amazing all at the same time. Yeah. Uh, main reason being that um, Coach Gruden, who had just jumped from the Raiders to the Bucks, was basically calling all the Raiders' offensive plays to his team as they were happening. Yeah. So, um, yeah, quite who decided to go into a Super Bowl using the same game plan that they'd used the year before against the coach that had put it together... Um, yeah, not one of Al Davis's finest moments, that one, I don't think. Would you, Che, um, this is what interests me. So actually, for him to move over from the Raiders to the Bucks, you traded or you received two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and I think $8 million. In the briefcase. In a, Yeah, probably in a briefcase. If um, Would you have changed that for that Super Bowl? Uh, personally, mm-hmm. yes. You would have done. Right. From a business and Raiders standpoint, I can see why Al Davis would have done it. Yeah. The problem is Al Davis and draft picks tend not to go too well recently. Perfect. No. Perfect segue. Yeah, we need to talk about draft picks then, Punk, because apart from the Browns, potentially you guys love to bust on a draft pick. So 
maybe we can just hear from you some of your favourite worst some of my favourite worst (laughs) most hated members of of Raider society of the Raider nation come on and and, and, you know I mean what you've got to remember with these picks is that Al Davis for a long time was the man Uh, the problem was he ran such a tight ship that everyone got scared to say no to him Um, and obviously in his later years that that wasn't putting us in the best situation. Now, I say later years, obviously that's kind of the last 15 years, 20 <laughs> years maybe, but um, yes, we have had some 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 pretty interesting ones. Uh, let's uh, well, go with Todd Marinovic. Todd Marinovic. Todd Marinovic. 1991, yeah, was the, it? The number 24th pick in the draft. Started eight games in two years. He was a quarterback. He was a quarterback. He, he, he allegedly, was, he was allegedly a quarterback. Um, I actually coming. I, I remember when we drafted him. It was uh, he was he wasn't the second coming, but he was going to be the guy that lifted us up for the nineties and and helped us kind of recover from Bo's retirement and was going to become the guy. Mm. Um, yeah, that didn't really work out. I mean, there were red flags in college for uh, cocaine abuse, wasn't it? I think. And then they still drafted him at number 24. And lo and behold, he didn't manage to get over his cocaine abuse problems while at the Raiders. No, he didn't. And I don't think he's actually got over his substance abuse uh, problems now. So, um, yeah, that that one was quite painful because that's really kind of what caused us to start slipping into into those kind of mid-90s teams that just didn't do anything. Mm. Um, it wasn't until we ended up getting Rich Gannon in that the team started lifting up again, um, which culminated in that in that 2002 Super Bowl. Um, obviously, there's you know, a couple of years before that, we had um, the well, was a year before that Super Bowl, we had the Tuck Rule game. Where the Patriots cheated us out of another Super Bowl. Uh, but, you know, Patriots cheat. Wasn't you there? <laughs> right, okay, so we've done Todd Marinovich by way of the tuck rule somehow. Um, so let's have a look at someone. How about Darius Hayward Bay then, Punk? What do you reckon about Darius Hayward? Darius Hayward Bay, the fastest man that should have been Michael Crabtree. <laughs> well, you've got him now. We've got yeah. Crabtree now, got but now. We, uh, this was. What year was that? 2009. He was the seventh pick. So, yes, uh, seventh overall pick, needed a receiver. Everyone automatically assumed it would be Crabtree. It was Crabtree um, or Macklin in that draft, from my, if memory mm. serves me correctly, that were the, the two that were touted. Haywood Bay happened to have the fastest 40-yard dash for a wide receiver at the combine, which obviously then gets Al Davis. Al Davis all, into all of a sudden, Al Davis sees that. Yeah. Um, uh, there are stories going around that kind of in the later years there that that people were not telling Al Davis the forty times because they didn't want him <laughs> to start drafting the quickest player in, in the combine. Yeah, but um, I mean Hayward Bay himself, he's still in the league. He's still playing. But he's um, a third. He's a third he's wide a, receiver. He's, he, he shouldn't he, have been taken in seventh no, overall. Absolutely, absolutely, he shouldn't. Um, mm. We should have should have gone for Crabtree in that draft. Um, to be honest. I'm not 100% convinced that even drafting Crabtree would have made that much of a difference no. um, to the team at that point. Uh, but yes, Hayward, Hayward Bay, although not an entire bust, because, you know, we're, what are we now, six years later, seven years later, he's still in the league. He's still picking up a paycheck. Um, if Just you, to put it in perspective, Clay Matthews was taken 26th in that draft. Yeah, that would have been quite nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> Sorry, not Having to... Having Clay not Matthews to sw- there. Oh, here we go. Not to try and, you we, know... We can always do this. for any justification you probably giving, look but... through all seven rounds and find a player in the sixth round that's probably doing better than Hayward Bay did. So, yes, he's a bust. All teams have busts. They hmm. do. You had a three-year stretch, though. Uh, Hayward Bay was the last. You then had Darren McFadden, who I consider a bust. I'm not entirely convinced McFadden's a bust. Oh, I think he is. I I think he's he he was a serviceable running back in the end. Um, injuries got him. Samuel Jackson played him in Unbreakable, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I definitely look for serviceable running backs with the fourth pick in the draft. So I'm glad that the Raiders <laughs> do as well. No, no. I think I think when he was drafted. He wasn't a serviceable running back. The injuries he got turned him into a serviceable he, running back rather say, than 
the kind of home run hitter that that we were looking for yeah. when we drafted him. I will say that he was a special player coming out of Arkansas when he was first, well, when he was being touted um, for the draft. He did look like a special, special runner. So I will give the Raiders that. He just happened to flop. Mm. Um, and the, obviously, the the most famous one in Raiders history was the year prior to Darren McFadden completing the Holy Trilogy, which is uh, which is Jamarcus Russell. Big bad Jamarcus, the man that can throw the ball 70 yards on his knees, and that's all you need. Yeah, that was drug fuel, wasn't it? <laughs> I think there was some purple drink involved, yeah. yeah. Um, I would have thought so. Jamarcus is probably the biggest heartbreak of recent years, because coming out of college, he was the biggest, strongest, most uh, upsided quarterback I think I've ever heard people talking about. Yeah. Um, you, you, you go back and watch, watch kind of the pre-draft stuff with Mike Mayock and, and those guys and they were all saying this guy could be something special. Well, they said it was the best pro day they'd ever seen. Best pro day they'd ever seen. Going to be something special. Mm. Yeah, all Raider fans sitting there expectantly, expect you know, wanting after after years of, of mediocrity since 2002, you're just sitting there hoping that they're right and let's be honest, nine times out of ten Mike Mayock is right. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think he gets it wrong very often. No. Apart from when, obviously, the Kings picking... <laughs> Joey Bosa. Are Joey yeah. Bosa. And, and, I got that right. And yeah. those guys. But, um... I don't... Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Speechless. exactly. Wait, wait, wait. So, I, I have no... No words. How that, soon did that, it... How soon did it fall off for you? From, from the ecstasy of picking him to then realising that, hang on a minute, something's seriously wrong here? It, it was probably... Towards the end of that first season, um, when the story started coming out that he was being given iPads to take home uh, with the game plan for that week to, to learn it, um, look at plays and all the rest of it. But the coaching staff had deliberately given him, and he'd come in the next day saying, yeah, I know it all, it's all great, it's all this, that, the other. The coaching staff had given him a blank iPad because they were pretty certain at that point by then, and that's what, 10 weeks into the season that he wasn't doing the homework. He wasn't trying to learn. He He's basically the reason that you have a rookie salary cap. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> um, he, he, was the, he, yeah, he, changed, he was the reason they changed the collective bargain agreement exactly. to not allow... He, he was the last $100 million complete and utter wipeout bust. Well, they gave him a... They extended him after two years, though. That was the crazy thing. Well, he, he, he kind of promised that he was going to knuckle down and do the work. And, you know, when you've invested $100 million, you you kind of don't have a choice but to do everything you possibly can to yeah. make it work. Even if you got him to be a serviceable quarterback and, and traded him away for a fifth-round pick, mm. would have been something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, to, 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 to actually be... To, to, to need to be the leader of the team on a, as a quarterback, you have to do the work. Mm. You've got to put the time in. You've got to show your leadership skills to the rest of your teammates. Mm. And he just didn't have it. No. And it's too much money, too soon. Yeah. Typical story. He's he's one of the main reasons why I love the draft, though, is that it's the one thing that can't be assessed for obvious reasons is the intangibles and... That's what's so exciting because not only are you picking someone based on you know their talent and you know their previous performance and where you think their ceiling is, you're also having to judge how when you give someone sixty million dollars, how they're going to react and is their work ethic going to be the same? And that's that's what to me is so exciting about the draft. I think the news actually, was it wouldn't be fun if there wasn't bus. Didn't he turn up to his first training session in the pink mink fur coat? He had a fur coat. And, yeah, uh, yeah, he was pimped. Yeah, he looking was, like Marlon Brandon in the yeah. now. Like, I thought I know Lyman stepped out of the car, and it was. Yeah, no, it was, and it was Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, and I obviously through through the lack of work ethic, he he had weight issues. Mm-hmm. I think I think his heaviest he was about two eighty, two hundred eighty yeah, pounds, something like, a, like that. He looked like a guy. He, he was absolutely massive. Um, it's no surprise that they cut their losses in the end, um, but. I'm impressed I mean, they was... did it that quick, to be honest with you. You see other teams, you look at the Bills now, who've, who lingering with the EJ Manuel or the Jets with, with Geno Smith. Um, you know, just cut your... If you can see someone's not working, cut, cut your losses. You know, maybe you're going to take a hit on that first year with the salary cap. I think they, at one time they were talking about suing 
Jamarcus Russell to try and get some to of the money back. To try and get some of the money back, they were. The, the contract stated that you know well, that, X, X amount of work ethic needed to be shown. And actually, that, I mean that came that all came about when um, the Falcons actually managed to get some of the signing bonuses back from Mike Vick. Yeah. Um, so that kind of set the precedent of the teams being able to do that. So mm. the Raiders tried tried to do that with Russell. Yeah, problem was um, it was all guaranteed. That was it. Uh, guaranteed contract is a guaranteed contract. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you've not had much luck with quarterbacks. Just, I'd wanted no, to, I wanted were, to no. mention there was a three-year uh, gap there with 2007-2009. Your starters were Josh McCown, Dante Culpepper, yes. Jamarcus Russell, Andrew Walter, Bruce Gradkowski, and Charlie Fry. I know two of those players. <laughs> and I I'm aware of, of all of them. And then and Jason <laughs> Campbell turned up. So. And, and, and they've all played, and yeah. none of them have worked out no. for whatever reason. Well, so, I mean, usually the fact they're not good enough, but... Yeah. You know, it's it's it, There's this weird mystique around a Raiders quarterbacks at the minute, which you know, I'm grateful for Derek Carr. Yeah. yeah, you know, because he he is turning out or seems to be turning out into a decent quarterback. Mm. Um, whether he'll become that elite elite style player, we'll have to wait and see. But Raider fans everywhere are just grateful that we now have. A steady ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reggie McKenzie's done a huge amount of work retooling the team. Um, even those couple of years ago, when he brought in Justin Tuck and a lot of the kind of really older guys, Lamar Woodley, it, it, Lamar Woodley, it wasn't so much about the level of play they could provide, but it was about changing the attitude in the organisation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was it was getting rid of the youngsters that were just basically party animals, um, and 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 putting in a work ethic and and a winning mentality. Yeah. Two, I mean, two both established those guys, veterans who both won Super Bowls. Exactly. So, and that's what you're aiming to do. And now, sort of a couple of years down the line, I mean, we've still got Tuck on the roster, but a couple of years down the line, we're, we're starting to see the, the, the fruits of that. I think mm. Tuck's just retired. Has he just retired? Just retired. He got injured and decided to opt for retirement rather yeah. than being cut. There you go. There you go. Well, as we're talking about the, the draft bust, we need to ask you then, Punk, what was, what's your worst moment as a Raiders fan so far? My worst moment as a Raiders fan. Yeah. Um, this is a very, very personal moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll try not to, to shed a tear too much, but watching them capitulate to the Dolphins at Wembley uh, oh, a couple wow. of years ago for me was just heartbreaking. Um, I was lucky enough to have seen them play in the American Bowl Series back in the early 90s at Wembley Okay. Um, against the Saints. But that performance at Wembley, uh, I kind of built it up in my own head so much that there was no way we could lose. (laughs) And then to get absolutely beaten in all three phases of the game, sitting in the stands going, you know, having had the the Raider Nation come out, we had a black hole at Wembley. We had Ice Cube on on the screens and, and, you know, it, it, it was just terrible. It was it was the worst feeling ever. <laughs> so not the tuck rule, or not the tuck not the rule game, reception. not the immaculate reception. For me personally, Being as there. a Raider fan, having never been to Oakland to a game, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was the one. That was the one that was the dagger in the heart. And if only they played a couple of years later, we'd have been all right. Yeah. We'd have had a Murray Cooper and Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. The one good thing that did come out of that Wembley game, though, was um, we fired the coach. Yeah. So <laughs> and put in Tony Sperano. And put in t- Tony Sperano. So congratulations on that. I mean, we're almost <laughs> out of time, so punk. We need to end on a high note. And so, what has been your best moment as a Raider fan? Then, come on. What's the highlight for you in in all your years of watching them? All my years them? of watching the Raiders. I guess my my highlight would be being a Raider and that first game. Mm. Um, not because particularly it was the Super Bowl game and we won it, but just because it was discovery. I was a young kid that had, had just seen this amazing thing in front of me and that was it. I was born a Raider and away it goes. Um, yes we have bad seasons we have good seasons we have bad drafts we have good drafts all clubs go through that the Raiders maybe have been for a little bit more than most the last few years but as I always say at least I'm not 
Kansas City Chief. <laughs> Ow. 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 Well, if there was a Chiefs fan listening, I can't believe there was, then uh, they'll be throwing stuff at that. Yeah. <laughs> what a way to finish. I think we'll finish on that quote. Yeah. Thank you so much, Punk, for coming down no, and it's being awesome. our Thank first guest ever. Um, yeah, we're going to be back to normal service uh, on Tuesday. But in, from, you know, I, I can't think of anything else I want to say about the Raiders ever. Now, I think we've done. I think we've said it all. Well, don't when worry. We do when, like the Raiders. When, when, when we get to the Super Bowl yeah. this year, <laughs> um, you'll have to do a Super Bowl special. Yeah. Um, and and we might even have to turn it into a three-hour Raiderthon just for you, Jim. <laughs> PR, are the, are the Raiders dancing it, for Bruno Mars at halftime? Then Why you never know. Long? You never know. It's possible. <laughs> it is possible. Oh, good. Well, excellent. Well, well thank, thank you, you very much. Yeah, yeah. thank you for, no, you're for coming welcome, in, guys. Thank you for having me, and thank you guys for listening. Until Tuesday, I've been Jim. That's been the King. That's been the Punk. Thank you so much. Yeah.